Hi guys, hope everyone's well and welcome back to the Improvement Podcast. So in episode 136, I'm going to touch on what is optimal. Uh, if you are watching it on YouTube and I, use, and I look half asleep, it's currently half six in the morning, so my apologies for that. But in terms of why I'm kind of creating the episode on what is optimal, so there's a lot of exercises that are getting a bit more traction, that are maybe crowned as optimal, and they're just getting more and more popular over time movement shoes and things like cuffs, bands, or maybe performing more singular movements on cable stacks, more movements that aren't quote-unquote the basics. So I'm just going to basically give you my two cents on my thoughts regarding these exercises. Are they optimal? What actually is optimal? And how to kind of work towards that accordingly in your own training? And just discuss my thoughts and feelings on it really. So what actually is optimal? So optimal is a very broad statement. So if we're thinking about the definition of optimal, optimal actually means best. So what I'd say regarding that is just because an exercise isolates a muscle further doesn't make it more optimal. And what I mean by that is like if you are trying to build as much muscle as possible, you don't just want to do isolation movements because they're not going to they're not going to give you as much much bang for your buck and they're not going to be as time efficient as maybe doing big compound lifts. So in reality, just because a movement isolates a muscle further, it doesn't make it optimal. Uh, you've got to look at the bigger picture. Imagine going in and training back and trying to do an isolation movement for every single body part or take any other body part, like legs, for example. It's like if you're not doing those big compound movements that will work quite a few muscle groups and I think you're leaving your progress on the table so I think that's where where people get kind of people misunderstand they think optimals optimal means isolating a muscle further whereas it doesn't uh, some movements can be optimal for maybe getting as much lat activation or not activation uh, getting as much tension throughout their lat as possible with minimal tension throughout other body parts but in the bigger picture in the grand scheme of things they don't always equate to optimal training if your rest of your training is not in a good spot it's obviously going to be dependent on it and using things like cuffs bands uh, even doing cable movements can be counterproductive for some individuals which you'll get to so yeah just remember optimal means best so what actually is best? And next up, I'm going to touch on like weekly volume. So what what each exercise basically allows us to do is what builds muscle is basically getting stronger over time, uh, training close to failure, getting a good stimulus and trying to increase it over time. Or in other words, applying progressive overload. And if, let's say, the benefit of like compound lifts is the argument towards doing them is they are time efficient and they load that position that's most that's most productive for muscle growth. What I mean by that is most muscle groups they grow best in that middle and lengthened or the middle position and stretch position of our muscle's length. So if let's say we are performing let's say a ton of movements that do the opposite, typically isolation movements, when I think about a decent few of them they can load kind of opposite position, so there's that to consider, but that's kind of getting into another topic. But basically what we want to consider is like how much volume we're getting and 
compound movements will allow us to get a good amount of volume in for a lot of muscle groups. Like doing a deadlift is going to be a lot more time efficient than doing like a ton of isolation movements. So that's going to maybe be a bit more beneficial than just doing maybe those isolation movements. So what's what I'm trying to get at here is when we are thinking about our training split, we want to get enough work done for each body part throughout the week or throughout our training cycle. And if we choose just solely isolation movements, that's going to be a struggle. So there's benefit of doing these big compound lifts alongside isolation movements. And I think what actually produces the best results is somewhere in the middle. Isn't just doing isolation movements if it isn't just doing compound movements. And I don't think you should be on one camp or the other. What I mean by that is I don't think you should uh, have have a dig at people who do these isolation movements on a cable stack or use cuffs or bands and having that identity that cuffs and bands are, are just bad and useless it's just going to limit your training it's just going to mean you're going to be close-minded and not get as much as you possibly could out of your training so it's got its benefit uh, but just when it's used correctly and same applies with compound lifts like if you avoid them I believe that will show in your physique as much as these isolation movements have their benefit, like I don't think someone's gonna get the same progress doing maybe let's say they're doing all their all their work on cables in comparison to doing bent over rows to doing uh, an RDL variation. Especially like with the lower body and the rectors you're not gonna get the same kind of effect from it in my opinion. So that's something to consider. The time efficiency aspect of compound lifts. And basically what we're trying to do is just each muscle, or sorry, each each movement, ultimately, its job is just to put enough tension on the target muscle to make it grow. And if we kind of realise that, then that kind of shows us that one's not better than another and it's just exercises, all they are when you break it down to it, it's just ways of loading muscles and putting tension on muscles. And as for like bands and cuffs, so bands and cuffs get a lot of flat, get a lot of hate at times, which, which I can understand why. And, like, with bands and cuffs, they can be valuable, which I'll get to, uh, but they aren't necessarily more effective, or they aren't necessary sometimes with your training. They can actually be counterproductive when used incorrectly. So, first of all, like, what are, what are cuffs for? So, cuffs basically reduce inertia. So, reduce, basically, reduce momentum and reduce the amount of joint forces pretty much so the amount of stress that's potentially placed on our target muscle target tissue that's because the cuff allows us to place whatever whatever we're doing let's say we're doing like a chest flight if we place that on our elbow joint instead of holding it in our hand with a d-handle we've got less stress going through our shoulder joint in that bottom position because the cuff's closer to your shoulder there's less moment arm there's less distance between them if that makes sense and this means that there's potentially a bit more safety around it at times and is that do you well i say at times it is going to probably be a bit safer but is that needed definitely not all the time what it could be valuable for is let's say someone's just tweaked their peck or hurt their peck they want to be really careful going into that stretch position they don't want any momentum they don't want any inertia, in other words, then they could potentially utilise a cuff to reduce that. Or someone who, let's say someone really struggles to target their chest, 
then they could potentially use cuffs because it's going to remove the juggle. It's going to remove the amount of body parts in use. And what I mean by that is if you've got a cuff on your upper arm, then that basically means you're not worrying about what's happening at the elbow joint. You're not worrying about what's happening at the wrist joint. And again, is this good or bad? It depends. If someone's hurt their wrist, it's obviously going to be valuable so they can still get effective work in. If someone really struggles to target their chest and do a chest fly properly, then first of all, I wouldn't use it as kind of a band-aid or an excuse to not to not kind of get your form right, but it can be valuable for that reason. And a potential downside with cuffs is when you're using cuffs, you're not loading other tissues like your like see if you're you've got a cuff on your upper arm when you're doing a chest fly instead of holding a D handle in your hand or dumbbell or uh or doing a chest fly machine, then you're not loading your forearm, you're not loading your bicep. And I know that seems small and minute, but see if you never load these target tissues just because you've always got a cuff on, you've always got straps on whenever you're doing any sort of in like arm exercise, etc., then you're not gonna be able to train those target tissues in your forearm, etc., which means they could be a lagging part of your physique. And yes, you could do maybe forearm work separately at the end of your session, but you could just kill two birds with one stone and just not do all your movements with cuffs and just do like a dumbbell lateral raise or uh, just a D-handle lateral raise instead so you can get some challenge to your forearms and your arm musculature throughout the process. That's the way I look at it. And like if you never kind of load... If you never load your, let's say you never do any sort of lateral raise where you're holding the attachment in your hand, then you're going to, your ability to kind of, kind of load your, load your hand in that position is going to dwindle and your grip is going to potentially dwindle, if that makes sense. What I mean by that is, if let's say you then go away from using cuffs uh, and then just try with a hand, then you're going to struggle to do so a bit more, if that makes sense. So, yeah, cuffs can be good or bad. They've got their benefits and their downsides. And just like anything, it's, it's kind of dose-dependent. Like, if you are going to implement some of these tools, should all your exercise selection look like that? No, because again, like, you're not going to work as much tissue as doing so. Same applies with, like, doing, like, a chest press-type movement with cuffs on. Then that you're not getting any challenge to the tricep. And, like, I don't know about you, but... I never, I very rarely see people in my gym and I just think, right, their triceps can never do with growing further. They can they can never do with having bigger triceps. And most individuals can recover from it. I think most people undersell how much they can recover from massively and hold back how much volume they, they can actually do massively uh, for whatever reason. Like, I think you can actually do a lot more than you think and recover from if you kind of work up to it in a gradual manner and like, gradually expose yourself. So... Yeah, cuffs can be good, can be bad, depending on when you're using them. And for example, a reason like I, I kind of touched on, cuffs don't always kind of reduce kind of stress on that target joint. And the reason being is like if you're using a cuff during a lateral raise, or sorry, yeah, let's say you're doing a lateral raise. If let's say your cuff is right on your wrist, then that's very very close to your hand anyway, so it's not actually reducing the inertia, reducing the joint forces you're experiencing which is something to consider so you might not actually be getting that benefit from it however you can maybe focus on challenge challenging your side delts a bit easier and it's easier to kind of cross them over on the cable stack when doing so and as for bands what bands basically allow you to do is manipulate what's called the resistance profile 
basically it changes where the exercise is hard and where the exercise is easy, stopping you undertraining a part of the rep. For example, I currently use it on the true squat. You have also used it on like a leg press and a hack squat in the past. People say bands make exercises easier and you're being a wimp, you're being a pussy or insert any other kind of dig similar to that if you use bands. However, if you use bands correctly, they actually make an exercise harder throughout the full range. What I mean by that is what I typically see during like squatting variations, if you perform like a squat without a band, usually someone has the same fail point when they squat with a band if they have appropriate band tension. But the difference is they can load more weight throughout the top half of the movement because that band makes it lighter at the bottom where they're weak. So overall they can put more weight on whatever machine they're using or if they band it the other way and make it harder as you come up. Basically it's going to make it harder throughout the full range. So there are some considerations with this. So the stretch position, the bottom position, is the the part, the rep that's most stimulative for most muscle groups, which is a consideration. I'm not going to rule that out and I still kind of, I, I weigh that up and I take that into consideration because, like, because we want to obviously be spending our time and doing movements where we're getting a good stimulus in the position that's going to build muscle base. So if, let's say, it's really, if, say, it's easier than, easier where muscle growth happens best, then that's a potential downside. But then you could argue it's more difficult for the rest of the rep instead of just being really heavy at the bottom and really easy the rest of the time, if that makes sense. A good example of why maybe a good, like having tension throughout a full rep is good is if you've ever done like a dumbbell lateral raise or like a tricep kickback, they feel pretty horrendous because it's really heavy at one point, really hard at the other. Sorry, really easy at the other. So that's a, what you could say, a suboptimal resistance profile. Or in other words, you've not got constant tension, which is an easy way to look at it. So with bands, like they can have their benefit, like I said, and also like it can reduce the amount of load you, you're experiencing in a certain range. And if someone's got like knee issues, like I've got a client myself, uh, hi Graham, if you're watching this or listening to this, and he's he's got like minimal cartilage in his knee and he's had some knee issues so, and still experiencing knee issues, but everything's going very well, touch wood. Uh, so like he's hacks caught in five plates aside. So having a band on the bottom isn't, I don't think it's going to be taken away from his leg development an awful lot because we're not banding it a ridiculous amount. The exercise when he does his last rep looks pretty difficult throughout the full range and it keeps him injury free and pain free, which is the main thing. So like you can't train when you're injured, you can't progress when you're injured. So that's kind of the main consideration when it comes to training. What can allow you to stay in the gym for long periods over time without getting injured. So there's no exercise you need to do. So if an exercise is going to get you injured, then I wouldn't recommend doing it. And so yeah, bands can have their benefits for that reason. It can make an exercise potentially harder throughout the full range uh, and kind of overload certain positions of the rep. For example, doing a band over a leg press, uh, like if you've ever seen me put a band behind the seat and over the sled, what that basically does is it makes it harder throughout the top. So you're So you're getting less break. Uh, and it just makes it makes it hard. Uh, obviously, it's it's a, a leg press is already hard, but even harder, it just makes it brutally hard for the full range. And I think there's some merit to that. Not always having maybe a scientific explanation to something, but just doing doing things that are hard in the gym will equate to having a lot of muscle to show for it. And in terms of like cables, so 
or sorry, to finish off with bands, so bands do have their benefit to conclude, but if you're using a band incorrectly, then that's going to mean it's potentially counterproductive and you're not actually getting more out of it. You might be getting less out of it. So what I'd say with things like bands, if you aren't confident using them, if you don't know how to use them, then either get someone who is experienced to maybe give you a hand if you're trying to set it up on exercise or just don't use them because you're it's not going to be an absolute game changer. And unless you really have to use one for whatever reason, then just go without. Because if you're not maybe knowledge enough to use them, chances are if you do try and use a band, you'll probably butcher it, eh, in all honesty, and you'll probably get less out of the exercise. So bear that in mind. And next up, I'm going to touch on cables. So cables are hated on by some individuals, which I kind of get why. Because again, when some people take the whole optimal exercises and doing certain exercises, like a single arm lap pull down or like a cuffed pullover or which are exercises I do, I'm not digging on them, but like people see people like not like not do like any barbell movements or free weight movements and they're just stuck on a cable stack and I think that for whatever reason frustrates some individuals and like cables are valuable you can manipulate your setup and like the line of pull or where the tension is pretty much and dictate where the exercise is hard and easy and get like tension throughout the full range or in other words what people would class as constant tension and just because you're using a cable doesn't mean you're necessarily going to have constant tension on an exercise. It depends how you set up. It depends how you execute it. So don't think just because you jump on a cable stack, an exercise is going to be superior because that's not the case. It's potentially going to be a bit a bit easier in some, per- some parts of the range or it's going to be a, like a poorer amount of tension as a whole. So yeah, make sure you bear that in mind. And... I think where the flat comes with cables is like I said, people people take it too far and they see these people preach about like certain movements on cables that are beneficial and then they end up doing their whole, they end up getting distracted and doing their whole session on a cable stack, eh? which I think where people, where why people kind of have digs at people like that. But cables have their benefits, so you shouldn't rule them out in your training, you shouldn't remove them from your training. But like what's important with doing cable movements is you do them properly and if let's say you're if you're within a year of starting training and you don't know how to do a single arm lat pull down or you can't do it effectively which when I see people do it in the gym it's probably about the large majority of the people I see you could just go on a row machine and perform a row because you're probably going to get enough stimulus from that row to grow anyway and as well as that you're probably going to be able to do that with better form in a more time efficient manner than a singular movement so cables can have their benefit but you might not need them at your point in your training you might not need to do a singular pull down to target your lat you might get enough tension for your lat doing a doing just an ordinary row so you might not need them and again like I said most of the time when I see people who are new to the gym do single arm pull downs they perform them incorrectly so I would rather just see someone just perform like a row machine at some in some scenarios just due to that reason because they're going to get it's going to be more time efficient as well if you're not having to train movement single arm uh, and in terms of what what I believe is optimal so what I believe is actually classes optimal on paper is doing maybe what you could say the fluff work doing maybe cable work having some maybe work where you're using cuffs sprinkled in there and bands because they, they, they are tools to use they're tools to have in your toolbox 
so I think they are valuable. But combining that with doing basic heavy lifts, doing a deadlift variation, like spending time doing squats, doing big compound movements, and like doing those heavy basic movements as much kind of it's kind of how bro it sounds. I think it shows in your physique, and you should just focus on like getting super strong at those basic lifts. But have some of those, have some of those isolation works sprinkled in there. Because see, if you just do big compound movements in the gym, then you're going to have gaps in your physique. Then you're not going to have complete de- physique development. And the reason being is when you do those kind of compound lifts, not all muscles are going to get stimulated equally, and not all people have the ability to maybe target their lats during a bent over row very effectively. So this is where maybe doing a lat pulldown variation or sometimes doing maybe a single arm lat pulldown can have their benefit because if you just kind of miss them out, then you're going to have like maybe a well-developed pair of rectors, your upper back might look all right, it might look quite thick, but you're not going to have any good lats and you're going to have lagging body parts kind of arise and become noticeable in your physique. So I do recommend doing kind of a mix of both. And... If you do just isolation work, you're going to be doing so much less than you can actually recover from and selling yourself short in terms of the amount of progress you can make in your physique and just have gaps in your physique as well. And body parts like your rectors, your glutes probably, because a lot of compound movements for your lower half will target your glutes. And you'll just make less progress than someone who's willing to do those hard exercises, in my opinion, and getting strong in them. So, yeah, what's optimal is a blend of both. And I don't think anyone should put their self in one camp. I don't think anyone should put their self in a camp where they just do compound movements or the other or they, they're closed off to biomechanics or in other words, just maybe worrying about where exercises are hard, easy, uh, choosing joint-friendly movements, things like that. And putting like a D-handle on something isn't the end of the world. It's not making you a pussy. It's just literally changing your hand position slightly, which can make you get more out of a movement so yeah what's optimal is a blend of both and don't keep all like everything's a tool in your training everything's a tool like using these attachments using machines using free weights using cables they're all tools so don't don't throw out a tool from your toolbox when you don't need to if that makes sense like it doesn't have to be one or the other and something to be in mind is we're talking about like what's optimal here so optimal is different from ideal so I heard Coach Kasim talk about this, which is someone who's very interesting to listen to, but basically ideal is what's best for your current situation, so including things like enjoyment, time commitments, equipment available, and that's not what I'm talking about when I talk about optimal. Here, what I'm talking about when I'm speaking about optimal is like, right, no one's got any maybe preferences, time commitments, it's just right on paper what's going to be the big best movements to do, if efforts equated, that's going to produce the best results. That's what I'm talking about when I'm talking to optimal. What's going to be the best and what's going to produce the best results without any limitations, without any preferences, simple as that. So that's what I'm talking about with this episode. Ideal is obviously something different. Like what can, what can be ideal for you is going to be more dependent on things like time commitments, uh, your enjoyment, maybe what equipment you have available. So bear that in mind, of course, and, Make sure you factor that in because they are some important factors with your training. But what I'm talking about here is kind of on paper, what what's going to produce the best results, not including maybe enjoyment, etc. But hope you enjoyed the episode. Hope you took a lot from it. If you did, then feel free to like, subscribe, 
just basically show any support regardless of what platform you're listening or watching on. I greatly appreciate everyone's support as always. Leave a comment or drop me a message on what episodes you'd like to see and if you took something valuable from the episode, I hope everyone has a great rest of their day.